Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning and welcome to a Wednesday underway. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Thanks for listening in. And remember, not only do you uh, have the chance to listen in, you have the chance to participate in the show every day. Our phone lines are already open this morning at 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless, toll free 1-800-529-5264, wherever you might be listening today. You can also email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Keep in mind, if you have questions uh, that you'd like to ask, Governor Brad Little, he'll be in with us live in the studio at about 8.30 this morning. Now, we only have him for about 20 minutes, uh, but we usually have a chance. If you have uh, a listener question that you'd like us to ask the governor for you this morning, just email us, chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. The numbers also going to come in handy today. We've got a lot of winning that we're going to give you a chance to do today. Number one, we still have more tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters coming up here on January 31st, Ford Idaho Center. We also have another pair of tickets. Win them before you even have a chance to buy them. You'll be one of the first people to have the tickets. Hank Williams Jr., old Bo Cephas, is going to be here in July to Ford Idaho Center. We'll have another pair of those tickets to give away this morning. Let me see. What else? Oh, yes. $50 gift certificate to R&R Barbecue. How can I forget R&R Barbecue? We'll have that to give away with our Casper and Chris. Damn near it's, impossible it's, question. It's fun to be reminded. Full, full show today. A uh, couple of uh, warnings to issue for you this morning. If you are flying today, man, I hope my wife isn't flying today. I haven't checked her schedule. Um, you mean in a plane? Well, I don't know any other way you can fly. Yeah, good point. Um She's in Virginia right now, so I don't know if she's supposed to come back today or tomorrow. I hope for her sake it's tomorrow. FAA is pausing all U.S. departures domestically until 9 a.m. They have a a system outage going on right now. They're having a computer problem, which I really hope is not on purpose. I hope nobody's sabotaged it. If you're listening in and you have uh, plans to fly out of the Boise Airport before 9 a.m. this morning, uh, no, you don't. Uh, I want to check your flights. Uh, all U.S. airlines, uh, United Airlines flights uh, have been delayed already, uh, but the FAA now has ordered all airlines to pause all flights till at least 9 a.m. this morning. So check your flight status before you head to the airport, or you could be sitting there for a really long, if you're, long, long time. If you're driving, I would remind you that the nearer your destination, the more you slip sliding away. That is another big problem this morning, uh, dense, heavy fog, especially towards Canyon County. Now, temperatures are at or below freezing through yeah. most of the Treasure Valley this morning. Uh, I got this firsthand as I went around the corner at the Flying Y and all of a sudden found myself about three or four feet to the right of where my car was supposed to be all yeah. of a sudden. We did that about three times this morning on the way in. Especially pay close attention over bridges and overpasses because those are the places that are going to uh, freeze more quickly than others. But there are slick spots even coming into downtown Boise coming to red lights. There was uh, some sliding going on this morning. So extremely, extremely slick. I cannot reiterate enough, especially uh, I'm really, really concerned flying why that area this morning as you come around that corner because it's, it, it doesn't look like it's slick. So there was some black ice there this morning. Just be really careful driving into work. Uh, hate for you to show up 
on our traffic reports as part of an accident. So just allow yourself some extra time. And like I said, fog is really, really thick towards Canyon County. A little less thick, but still some fog here in the Boise area. And, of course, that moves around. And, of course, I live out by Fairview and Five Mile in that area. You yeah. had problems this morning also, to, correct? Yeah, we had quite a bit of fog. And uh, it was slippery just coming out of our neighborhood onto Fairview. Some of the things we'll be talking about this morning, um, once again, since the uh, governor is going to be here, um, some of the things, of course, that we will be talking about is the legislature getting underway this week. Not a whole lot of excitement happening or anything happening as of yet. First week of the legislative session is spent going over rules on which rules to keep, which to adopt, which to change, which to drop. So that's pretty much what is happening this week in the Idaho legislature is is just going over all the rules and uh, you know it's it's not like school where there's just a few rules that you have to be aware of there are you know hundreds if not thousands of <laughs> rules that either have to be dropped or adopted or some of them are probably changed in opposition to each other very well could be a possibility so that will be going on uh, this week next week I believe we will uh, begin talking with uh, legislators on laws and things that they are doing in the legislature to earn the money that we, the taxpayers, are paying to them. We'll talk with, as I mentioned, Governor Brad Little this morning, coming up at about 835, about his goals and what he wants to see done. Writing this down. Remember to invite legislators. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a good idea to invite legislators. Who's showing up today? I don't know, unless they just happen to drop by. Uh, another news story um, that we're going to be following along, and I'm I'm efforting right now to talk to uh, one of the people involved in this story, but apparently after death threats in uh, Cuna in Cuna that were made to some of the city staff, the city of Cuna has pulled the plug on their rodeo due to those death threats. I have never in my life heard of a rodeo being canceled for death threats before. Yeah, this has to do with the story about competing rodeos. Um, a couple decided after over a decade of not having rodeos in CUNA to put up their own money. Crooked 8 Ranch, privately owned farm and concert venue, hosted CUNA's first rodeo last year. First rodeo in decades. Yeah. And they did it in combination with the city, but the city citing a desire to find a permanent city-owned venue that could be used as a larger multi-use event space announced that it would be taking over and do the rodeo elsewhere, which came as a shock to Crooked 8's owners, Liney and uh, Cody Chitka, who said they invested more than $200,000 of their own money to make their venue rodeo ready for the city. So they weren't—they weren't necessarily happy that the city said, "All right, it was such a success last year. Now we're going to—we're going to do it on our own." Do do we believe that the death threats have something to do with that? Yes. Well, that's not good. Yeah, the police have confirmed that there were was at least one text death threat message. They uh, basically did a a text search on uh, the number, and uh, it came from a place that they couldn't find where the number came from so they they couldn't they couldn't do a a tracking of it to figure out who actually made the threat so the 
Yeah, norm- normally a text is a bad way to do that. Yeah, because, or a phone uh, call because you can, t- <laughs> somebody can trace can those. Call you back and say, hey, I'm, knock it up. I'm wondering if it was similar to using a burner phone or something like that yeah, with maybe. your text. But um, anyway, because of uh, that death threat, the mayor then decided to cancel the uh, city's attempt at doing their own rodeo. Attempting to uh, talk to the uh, Crooked 8 owners, um, I did get a message late back night last night from them said that they'd be willing to uh, come on and talk about their side of the story what's going on um you know what the city and, and them have decided to do but uh hoping to do that coming up tomorrow we'll keep you updated on that story but it's just sad state of affairs when you know there are death threats because of who might or might not host a rodeo just absolutely ridiculous that's just some of the things that we're going to be talking about on the show today Four-hour full show looks like it's going to be filled up, and uh, part of that filled up by sports, which we have Rick Worthington here for this morning. Give you a first update on sports, brought to you by Pork Belly in CUNA, the place to go for lunch. Keep in mind, they are open seven days a week, beginning at 7 a.m., making plans. You want to check out their menu, go to porkbelly.idaho.com and see their menu. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Boise State will go for their third straight win in the Mountain West tonight when they take on UNLV. Bob Beeler has more on that for us today. The Rebels are 12-3 and overall and are coming off a road win at New Mexico. E.J. Harkless, the transfer from Oklahoma, scored 25 and was named Mountain West Player of the Week. Coach Rice says he's filling the role of Bryce Hamilton, who left after last season for the pros. Got a lot of guys that are playing great together, and, you know, there's guys that have picked up the slack. Harkless has shot more shots than anybody in Mountain West, and so you say they don't have Bryce, but Harkless is doing tons of that. Broncos go for six in a row in the series against UNLV. Our coverage begins at 8.30 tonight from Las Vegas. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. There were several games played in the Mountain West last night. Air Force defeated Colorado in Fort Collins 85-74. to It was an overtime game, by the way. San Jose State won at home against Fresno State 74-64. to San Diego State gave Nevada their first loss 74-65. to And Utah State at home defeated Wyoming. Wyoming 83 to 63. Tonight's game between UNLV and Boise State is the only one on the schedule. There's another game Friday. Utah State will play at Nevada and then a full slate of games on Saturday. I'm Rick Worthington. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 623 uh, update. Sitting here reading this off the uh, television this morning. FAA making progress in restoring its notice to air missions system following an overnight outage. Departures are resuming. Oh, good. At uh, EW Airport and Atlanta Airport. Uh, so other departures expected to resume at about 9 a.m. Eastern time. So 8 o'clock, uh, let's see, 7 o'clock our time uh, today. Once again, check with your airlines if you are due to leave or fly today because even though flights are expected to resume by 7 a.m mountain time you can expect delays just because of all the delays that we have seen since midnight last night ewr is newark right is it i'm I'm not sure so yeah it's newark liberty international it's one of the three uh that served New York. Basically. There you go. So two of the big ones, Atlanta is also a very big airport, um, already back to uh, getting underway of flying. But uh, because of the problems with the computer systems, um, just check your flight status before you leave. 
Last night, the uh, Golden Globes happened, or as I like to call it, the Who Cares Awards, but this is a precursor, one of the precursors to the upcoming Oscars, Mm -hmm. which are big awards and some of the same winners you will see repeated in the upcoming Oscars. So um, here is a uh, quick montage of all the winners last night. Actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. Keyway Kwan! Everything! For best performance by an actress in a supporting role in any motion picture. Angela Bassett, baby, come on! Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Colin Farrell. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Michelle Yeoh. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Best performance by an actor in a motion picture, drama. Austin Butler. Best performance by an actress in motion picture, drama. Kate Blanchett. Tar. Best director in motion picture. Steven Spielberg. Best performance by an actress in a television series drama. Zendaya. Best performance by an actor in a television series drama. Kevin Costner. Yellowstone. Best television series musical comedy. Abbott Elementary. Best television series drama. House of the Dragon. Best motion picture musical and comedy. The Banshees of Initiative. Best motion picture drama. Mr. Spielberg, step right up here. We have the Fable I, I don't know how the criteria I just, goes into picking movies or, or who wins because the Banshees of Inishira I just watched yesterday. I just saw that over the weekend, too. Not impressed. Really? I thought no. it was funny. I, I mean, there were funny parts. It just seemed it was really boring. We started, the only reason I watched it yesterday, my wife and I started to watch it, and a half an hour in, she goes, okay, I'm done with this crap. Really? Yeah. Um, we, 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 we both really enjoyed it. Best line of the night last night. This was awesome. awesome. Eddie Murphy received the uh, Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globes, and after thanking many people for his long and successful career, he offered this advice to up-and-comers. I want to let you know that there is a definitive blueprint that you can follow to achieve success, prosperity, longevity, and peace of mind. And I followed it my whole career. Just do these three things. Pay your taxes. (laughs) Mind your business. And keep Will Smith's wife's name. Mom! I take it he didn't just say, out, out your mouth. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, they, they, they cut what he actually said. But, That's pretty funny. Uh, truer words were never spoken, uh, I, I believe. For You can almost say this for any, I mean, even our industry, <laughs> with the exception of maybe no, Will your, Smith's wife's name. Pay your taxes is, is, is a pretty uh, you know, decent piece of advice. Well, and Will's, I mean, Eddie Murphy did learn the hard way on on that mm-hmm. <sighs> very funny stuff he's got a, a movie on netflix comes out i believe here within the next two weeks it looks uh, really good but congratulations to all the winners uh last night phone lines are open winners you can be a winner this morning we've got tickets to the harlem globetrotters great family entertainment that's coming up this morning we also have tickets to hank williams jr is going to be uh here in july want to get your tickets who knows you never know when this is the last chance i mean hank williams jr we were talking about this earlier this week he's 73 now mm-hmm. you never know when he's going to say all right that's my last tour might be your last chance to maybe see Hank Williams Jr. in Idaho. You never know. But you have a chance to win them coming up in July. Keep listening this morning. We'll have a chance to uh, pick up those tickets. Be ready to call 208-336-3700 when you hear that cue to call.
Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good news and uh, bad news. For those of you who are trying to take care of your retirement plan, the uh, bad news was that if you invested uh, money into the Mega Millions drawing last night, bad news is you didn't win. Good news is the next time you play, coming up on Friday, it will be worth $1.3 billion. (laughs) Wow. That's with a B. No winner. Nobody picked all the numbers last night. So it continues to grow. Like I said, estimated uh, about $1.3 billion on Friday night's yeah. drawing. Or as we call it, a generational fortune. There you go. Um, you can you can share it. You can probably take care of your family, not just this family, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. Although, in, in watching... It was a show called How Lottery Ruined My Life. Yeah. It's also a good chance that you could be dead broke within a few years, too, based on <laughs> the stupidity of some of those people and how much money that they'd want. You, you th- thought would be generational wealth. You think you could be dead broke in a few years if you won $1.3 billion? <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I'd accept that challenge. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if it's a, if it's a contest, sign me I, up as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I bet I could do that. Uh, six. 44. Real quickly, uh, David, uh, I, I don't want to uh, hang on here a long time because uh, we wouldn't have a chance to get to you. So real quickly, uh, you're on Newstock KBI. Good morning to you. Oh, hey, morning. Yeah, too bad I can't uh, fly up there and get to see Bo Cephas, but uh, yeah, I hope that goes well. Hey, uh, I heard about, uh, you know, Congress is uh, coming in and they're talking about they want to shut down government again and they want to cry about the budget and the budget and the budget, and so they're going to cut back on everything that uh, is social spending. And if you know the real statistics, right now unemployment is the lowest it's been in 50 years. 50 years. It's at 3.5%. And how is it that these phony conservatives, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin McCarthy and the rest of the pack of uh, organized crime, those guys are going to basically say America's broke, even though almost uh, everybody's got a job. And so if they shut down uh, uh, government, they're basically going to shut down the locks and dams. They're going to shut down the airports. They're going to shut down uh, everything that the federal government runs. Uh, they're going to shut down. And then they're going to turn it on. And then they're going to turn it off. And they're going to turn it on. And you know how expensive it is to turn on and off uh, things like locks and dams? And that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and and where, uh, where are you getting the information that they're going to shut down the government? I haven't seen that anywhere. Well, didn't they try to do that two years ago? Didn't they? In fact, they did it two years ago, and they dragged it on for about a month and a half, on and are, off. Are you? Are you, you talking? Know how expensive? Are you talking you know, about voting? You know, for the omnibus bill that just passed in December to keep the government running because government's going to keep running now. That passed and will continue until sometime in October. So that's. I mean, that's not even on the table as of yet. Well, if you uh, if you know the way they're going to spin this story, uh, the uh, they're basically going to ruin America's credit rating. They're going to call it uh, the national debt, and that uh, the national debt is too high, and so the future spending is going to be limited 
But if you think about it, when everybody's got a job, then uh, America is running pretty darn smoothly. And when you start looking at the idea that they're going to basically lie about how smoothly it's running, when when three and a half percent unemployment, the the lowest it's been in 50 years, and most of those people are getting far higher wages than they were just two years ago. So uh, America is is balancing its budget, and uh, in it's coming up as and in terms of being able to pay off the national debt, and they're still going to lie about it, and uh, and claim that we're broke and that we need to to turn on government, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, and this big lie costs America vast amounts of money. And I don't know if you all have ever studied currency speculators, but I suspect that these rats are, are basically trying to play the currency game and that uh, by uh, claiming uh, that one country is failing uh, ruins its currency, and so you can buy and sell the currency. And when you think about what it did to the farmers uh, 100 years ago, when you think about how uh, uh, it, it decimated industry 100 years ago, during World War I, uh, uh, the currency speculators dragged that war on forever. Uh, it should have been over in a matter of months, but they dragged it on by praising a country for a while, and then they'd curse that same right. country just to bounce the currency. Thank you, and David. Just, appreciate the call. That's what they're up to. All right. Appreciate the call. Um, uh, from California, I guess you uh, pretty much know his uh, leanings. However, I, I don't understand his economics. We're, we ran at a $248 billion deficit now in 2022. Now, if I'm running in my personal finances a $248 billion deficit, I am hmm. definitely not in the green. Well, that's that's considered broke. You're I mean, beyond I mean, broke. That seems like a good comparison, but the but the 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 country and you know and personal finances don't run even no. close to the same way. No. And and here's the other thing. Just because you have three point five percent unemployment doesn't mean the government is not broke <laughs> or running at a huge deficit. Now, the difference, you know, you and I can't go out and print money if we run out of money. If we have checks left over, we can't just write another, oh, look, I have checks left over. That means I have money in my bank account. If if we do print money, all of our expenses will be paid hereafter. For Google Play, simply say, hey, Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 707, good morning, and welcome to the show. Thanks for listening in. Once again, uh, you can be a part of the show if you would like. It's easy to do by calling us up at 208-336-3700. Toll-free, 1-800-529-5264. That's wherever you might be listening, anywhere in the world. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. You can email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Uh, a couple of uh, messages uh, to get to having to do with the uh caller from california who called in a little while ago says listening to your last caller he forgot the current secretary of labor and the current secretary of the treasury both said that they need to get unemployment up to four to four and a half percent so that they can rescue the economy uh when he was talking you know i was i was thinking about how much of that was not exactly surprising uh politicians running for office always 
tell you about problems that you didn't know about, and then they make you think those are very serious, and then they tell you that they alone can solve it. The surprising thing to me with the unemployment rate at 3.5% right now nationwide, I, I it should be lower than that. There are currently two jobs for every person who is unemployed. Sounds like a cue for a song. Two jobs for <laughs> every boy. So, I mean, granted, there are probably, you know, reasons, various reasons that this could be. Maybe there are job openings in places that some of these people don't live or whatever. But right now, if you're unemployed, you should be able to find a job. Maybe you don't have, maybe there's not a job in your chosen field that you spent a hundred thousand on, <laughs> you know, getting, getting your degree in. Mm-hmm. But there, there should, I mean, there's two jobs open right now for every person who is not working. So there should be no reason that we even have a lower percentage of unemployment at well, 3.5% than we have right now. I think definitely if you are a cook, chef, waiter, Anything like that in the restaurant industry, you can, you, you probably will be able to find a job if you look for one. Some of those are really high paying jobs when you take, now granted, not, not your base salary, but some of those are really high paying jobs when yeah. you, you know, work in, work in the uh, tips that you get in some of the industry. I'm just blown away by some of the people that I know who work in the industry and talk about the tips mm-hmm. that they uh, take home. You know, I, I had a, she's currently a daughter-in-law uh, right now, got married last year, was working at a, a restaurant, and not even a high-end restaurant. It was, it was mid-range, mm-hmm. and she was working between three and five hours three times a week, and she was making five to $700 in tips mm, not bad. a week, which is, yeah, yeah not bad. daughter, Claire, works at uh, Yen Ching. She's worked there now for years. And she has no plans to go anyplace else because she, she makes a lot of money. In she's tips, she's right? doing just fine. Yeah. yeah. Especially now. Uh, another email, no name on this, says, uh, you guys are both so silly. Our government can't just print money either. If they can't, then why do they do it? Where do you think inflation comes from? Once again, my point, you, they can and they do, or else we wouldn't have inflation like we do right now. Our government wrote everyone $2,000 checks for COVID along with all the major loans to keep businesses afloat, etc. That money was just printed with no wealth behind it, and America ended up with the worst inflation we've had in decades. Of course, in economics for our government and our citizens would be very beneficial. We appear to not even know the basics. I, don't, I guess I don't get the point you're making. Our government can't just print money either. Well, then why do they do it? Mm-hmm. They do do I, it. I, I think, That's where inflation comes from. I, I think what he, he or she intends to say there is the government shouldn't just print money. Maybe that's the point with, that they were not, trying to with make. With nothing to back it up. However, uh, we went off the gold standard in the early 70s during the Nixon administration. And from then on, I mean, if you ask somebody, what is it that, that backs up American money? The answer was, well, it's not gold. It's simply faith in America. Which maybe has waned a bit. Thanks for depressing me this over, morning, Chris. Over time. It wasn't my idea. I'm just <laughs> describing it to you. Uh, I, I was happy being, uh, you know, totally clueless up until that point. Yeah. Uh, by the way, another story that we are following uh, along with, uh, we told you about this last hour, that there were death threats. The uh, city of CUNA has decided to not host a uh, rodeo. They had competing rodeos. So last year, um, again... My entire life, I have never once seen a headline that said rodeo canceled because of death threats. 
How would you like to be some places in the but, country? And you'd, and you'd think if anybody did that, it would be maybe somebody like PETA, right? Yeah. How, how would you like to be somewhere in the country and you're reading the story? And I'm talking like maybe Chicago. Uh, maybe you're in Atlanta or New York. And then you go, wow, that Wild West really, really is yeah. the Wild West. There's death threats because boy, of a rodeo? Boy, they take their rodeo seriously. Um, I was efforting to uh, get one of the uh, people who were responsible there was a, a couple who had put in a lot of their own money and worked with the city of CUNA last year to bring back the CUNA rodeo after decades of not having uh, a rodeo. Um, Crooked Eight's owners, Liney and Cody Chitka, said that they invested more than $200,000 to make their venue rodeo ready. And they were, like I said, they were working with the city to do a city rodeo, the CUNA Stampede. Um, the city, for whatever reason, decided that they were going to break off and do their own rodeo this year because they wanted to start making enough money and putting together a, a venue to host rodeos and other events. Allegedly, they forgot to tell Crooked 8 owners that this was going to be happening. So um, there was going to be two rodeos because Crooked 8 said, well, we're not going to stop the rodeo just because CUNA decided to do their own rodeo this year. So you had competing rodeos and thus the uh, death threats from somebody. Mm -hmm. Death threats have been confirmed to be made by text from someone. They were not able to track down where the text came from. The police were not able to do that. Um, I did uh, receive confirmation that uh, we will have, I believe uh, it's Liney who is going to be on with us this morning, one of the owners of uh, Crooked 8 Ranch. Uh, tomorrow morning, they'll be with us at 8.30 to talk about their side of the story and what's going on, what's happening, and uh, they'll be in studio with us here coming up tomorrow morning. Also, Programming note, this morning, Governor Brad Little will be with us. We'll be talking about his State of the State address, plans for the upcoming legislature. Once again, a reminder, you haven't up till about 8.30. If you want to get a question in, we always get a chance to get a couple of questions in. Uh, get them to us right now. You can email chris at kboi.com uh, or mike at kboi.com, and uh, we can get to some of those questions a little bit later this morning. Right now, though, at 7.14, it's time for another check on what's going on with sports. Brought to you by... Pork Belly in downtown CUNA. Breakfast, brunch, lunch with a twist. Open every day, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can see their menu at porkbellyidaho.com. Good morning. I'm Rick Worthington. Boise State will go for their third straight win in the Mountain West tonight when they take on UNLV. Bob Beeler has more on that for us today. The Rebels are 12-3 and overall and are coming off a road win at New Mexico. E.J. Harkless, the transfer from Oklahoma, scored 25 and was named Mountain West Player of the Week. Coach Rice says he's filling the role of Bryce Hamilton, who left after last season for the pros. Got a lot of guys that are playing great together, and, you know, there's guys that have picked up the slack. Harkless has shot more shots than anybody in the Mountain West, and so you say they don't have Bryce, but Harkless is doing tons of that. Broncos go for six in a row in the series against UNLV. Our coverage begins at 8.30 tonight from Las Vegas. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. There were several games played in the Mountain West last night. Air Force defeated Colorado in Fort Collins 85-74. to It was an overtime game, by the way. San Jose State won at home against Fresno State 74-64. to San Diego State gave Nevada their first loss 74-65. to And Utah State at home defeated Wyoming. Wyoming 83 to 63. Tonight's game between UNLV and Boise State is the only one on the schedule. There's another game Friday. Utah State will play at Nevada and then a full slate of games on Saturday. I'm Rick Worthington. Time.
time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. Good day yesterday on the uh, stock market. Looking like ahead of the opening here, we might be headed for another at least good opening. Don't know how the day is going to end, but all three of the indexes are up. The Dow is up 93 points as of right now. Um, What kind of horrible news did we get to see two days of good stock market news? Hey, good news across the board. You know, I think markets are just being patient right now to really see the data that will be released tomorrow for the consumer price index for December. Now, there was a little bit of Fed speak that was released yesterday from Chairman Jerome Powell. Didn't really give too much insight, but obviously the Fed, Federal Reserve is sticking to their guns. making it clear that they're not going to pivot. Now, the market thinks otherwise. Um, So we'll see what the inflation data will will be released tomorrow. So I think things will be relatively flat, but the NASDAQ hit a third straight winning day. Uh, Yesterday, we could be on pace for four straight days. But, you know, it's it's relatively flat this morning, even though all three major U.S. indexes are in positive territory. But I think one of the some of the big news also is what's going on in China right now. Now we Chinese authorities had an abrupt pivot away from their zero COVID policy, and that's quickly shifted investor sentiment about these Chinese stocks. Listen, we have the world's second largest economy that in 2022, as we all know, had very harsh COVID restrictions. And those are changing. And with that, you gotta remember what happened across the world, across the globe, and what happened in the US. Post-COVID, it led to a massive boom in in consumption. Now we have China reopening. This could likely be the case there. There is a possibility, keyword possibility, that China will see a very robust, what we would call cyclical recovery, meaning you had the consumers there not spending money, locked up, the economy reopens. We could likely see a post-COVID China, which will, again, will probably look very different than pre-COVID China. But you have people in the second uh, largest economy spending money, reopening. This is likely going to have a big effect on investors for these um, Chinese stocks. Take Alibaba, for example, which is China's version of Amazon, essentially. It's up over 30% year to date. Now, still, it's not even close to where it was pre-2020 levels. But it just kind of gives you an idea that the overall sentiment around China is changing. But there certainly is risk involved. I mean, come on, it is China. We've all we've all seen the fiasco that we've seen with their regulatory regulatory stance on certain stock listings. But for now, it seems like now might be a good time to maybe take a little bit more risk and get some re-exposure back to international investments to include China, which in 2022, that would not have been the case. But the tide might be turning. It's going to be interesting to see tomorrow if... Um <laughs> the the stock market trying to outguess the Fed it seems to me never works very well. No, it's it's that the old cliche don't don't fight the Fed. But you know the Fed has been very uh, status quo with their stance on this. But also we got to look at the trend, and we ha- we have started to see a trend. We're in the very early stages of an of a trend actually developing where we're seeing inflation decelerate month over month. So we just got to see that continue for December going into the first half of the year. And then if the labor picture can stay relatively status quo and we see not a significant drop in corporate earnings, again, we might see this soft landing, this Goldilocks scenario that many people thought was unlikely last year. We might be on that path, but again, it's way too soon to call. We just got to wait for this data to come out month over month. And tomorrow, uh, markets will be uh, eagerly awaiting that data.
What's going on with Wells Fargo? I mean, about four years ago, they were the biggest mortgage lender in the country, and I guess yesterday they said they're scaling that way back. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to remember uh, Wells Fargo hitting the uh, the, new, the the news headlines as of recent hasn't boded well. It, it's generally been from bad business practices, and I think what Wells Fargo is trying to do is just really just kind of simplify their their business, simplify their different avenues, and I think they're just trying to take more risk off the table because. Um, you know, listen. There, there's been some bad actors in in Wells Fargo, and since 2017, uh, public confidence has been not relatively great for Wells Fargo compared to the other major banks. Um, so them backing out, uh, kind of a surprise because that was, I mean, they were one of the biggest players in the in the mortgage lending space, and they're taking a significant step back. All right, uh, ahead of the opening here in a few minutes. Looks like we're going to be in the green. We'll keep you uh, updated. Get an update from you here in about an hour, and then talk to you again tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 741, congratulations going out to Mike Dinwiddie. He was caller number six, picked himself up a pair of tickets to go see, once again, Bo Cephas, Hank Williams Jr., going to be here in July once again, live in concert. Chance for you to uh, win those tickets. Still, all this week, we're giving away tickets. You'll have a chance to win them before you can buy them. We'll have another pair coming up tomorrow morning, another pair coming up on Friday morning. And, yes, the tickets will go on sale Friday morning at 10 a.m. thinking this is going to be based on the number of calls that we've been getting in whenever we gave these tickets away. And uh, watching yeah. the social media yesterday, people really like Hank Williams. There, there is some enthusiasm. Yeah, there is. Uh, we have more winning coming your way this morning. So if you didn't win there, you still have another chance to do some winning, uh, a couple more chances. Uh, number one, uh, we've got four tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters, fun for the entire family. That's going to be happening at the Ford Idaho Center on January 31st. We'll give you a chance to win those tickets on the way this morning. Plus, our Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. I haven't even given you that question, so I'll do that right now uh, for you to start working on uh, the question. A chance to answer that coming up here in about half an hour. We've got a $50 gift to get to R&R Barbecue if you answer this question. Only four states still allow prisoners to have conjugal visits. There are two states that allow same-sex conjugal visits we don't need to know the four states we just want to know what are the two states and only two states that allow same-sex conjugal visits if you know that at uh after eight o'clock you have a chance to get that 50 dollars gift certificate if you call 208-336-3700 and our first to answer it it's a damn near impossible question brought to you by berkshire hathaway home services silverhawk realty for all your real estate needs call 208-888-4128 FAA says that flights have resumed as much on schedule as they can because they were delayed all morning up until about 7 a.m. our time. Good news there. I hope that was just a computer glitch of some sort and you know, and nobody actually got in there and tried to sabotage it. Yeah. Um, we'll find more information. I did text my wife because she's traveling right now, and I thought she may be coming home today. And uh, yes, as a matter of fact, she arrived at the airport this morning at 4.30 our time with nowhere to go to be told that she was already delayed so yeah she said it was pretty much a cluster and i'm not even sure i she may be flying out of dc she's in virginia so i don't know where she's flying out of but i'm not expecting her to come home on the time that she was expecting to come home today she's in northern virginia probably dulles yeah it could be um so anyway if you are flying check your flights they're supposedly back on schedule or 
schedule as much as they can. Um, they're going to have to catch up because of all the delays earlier. Right now, it is time for a check on what's going on sports. One more time, brought to you by Pork Belly in q and Ready for something different. You can swing in the amazing espresso and food with a twist. Open every day, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pork Belly, downtown CUNA. Good morning. In sports today, Boise State has lost three starters from last year's championship team. But one of those newcomers this year is helping pick up the slack. Bob Beeler with more on that this morning. Chibuzo Abo came from Texas Tech. He's averaging 11.5 points a game and shooting 44% from three. And he's been in double figures the last seven games in a row. And Coach Rice has been pleased with his development. Oh, he's just growing week by week. And the more games he plays, the more he grows. And his freshman year, he got some run. And he had some NCAA tournament experience, all that stuff. So he's a little more mature and older than maybe a freshman situation, but his experience level is a little bit like that. Abbo and the Broncos are at UNLV tonight, facing a Rebel team that leads the nation in turnover margin and is second in forcing turnovers with 20 a game. Our coverage begins at 8.30. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Several games were played in the Mountain West last night. In fact, there was also a game on Monday we didn't tell you about. New Mexico defeated Oral Roberts by a score of 82-75 to in non-conference play. But in conference games last night, Colorado State was defeated at home in overtime by Air Force 85 to 74. San Jose State, a winner at home over Fresno State 74 to 64. San Diego State handed Nevada their first conference loss 74 to 65. And Utah State, a winner over Wyoming 83 to 63 in Logan, Utah. Tonight's game between Boise State and UNLV is the only one on the Mountain West schedule. There's also a game on Friday. The only game on the schedule will be Utah State at Nevada. I'm Rick Worthington. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. In news, a Boise City Councilwoman may have to vacate her seat. Longtime Boise City Council member Lisa Sanchez may no longer be a legal resident in her district. We're told Sanchez was renting in the North End and had recently moved. The announcement was made at last night's city council meeting and came as a shock to the rest of the council members. What happens next is unclear, but we'll keep you up to date as this story develops. Hmm. As much as I... I've not made it a secret that I'm not a big fan of city council woman Lisa Sanchez. I don't live in Boise, so I don't have to put up with her or any of the policies of uh, Boise City Council. But this this is one of those things where I believe may have been an honest accident. This is what she had uh, tweeted out, said, I have acted in good faith. I hope the situation will be resolved swiftly so that I may continue my work on behalf of the city of Boise. I consulted the city of Boise staff and the Ada County Elections Office because I wanted to be sure I was moving to a place that would allow me to fulfill my current two-year term on the Boise City Council. I was shocked to be told shortly before tonight's council meeting that my residency may be in question. Back on December 31st, Sanchez tweeted that she had moved from North End to West Downtown Boise. Not too far away. No. But apparently still outside the district. And if she is outside the district, and she is living outside the district, then she may no longer be a legal resident of District 3 and would have to vacate her spot on the city council. A lot of moving parts in this. 
I, I like I said, <laughs> made it no secret. I'm not a big fan of Lisa Sanchez. However, I will say this smells like it just might be an honest mistake, especially if she worked with the city of Boise staff and Ada County Elections Office gave her address and said, is this okay? Can I move here and still be within my district? And both of them told her, yes, you're fine as long as you live here. That's only been a recent problem. No. Used to be you could just run from anywhere and and represent the city of Boise. Yeah, and and quite frankly, I was really glad to see that they changed that because a large majority of the members of city council all lived in one area. So the entire city of Boise was not being uh, represented in in different districts. And, you know, as you know, in in different places, you have different priorities, and you want a representative on your city council that represents things that might be in the area where you live. So if this if this was an honest mistake and it's found to be an honest mistake, I think it is just based on the information that we have right now and this is preliminary information. The city council um last night KIVI was there and in the news story you heard right there they said that it seemed that the entire city council was shocked by the news. Lisa Sanchez she was shocked by the news. So if, if this was an honest mistake, I I think best course of action would be somebody told her it was okay to yeah best best course of action would be all right you've got 60 days or whatever to move back into your district now if you refuse to move back into your district then you know then you probably have to vacate your spot on the city council and i know that sucks because it's hard (laughs) anybody who's tried to move recently or try to find an apartment it's not the easiest thing in the world to do I know you and you and I haven't had to do this, no. but you know we've we've talked to people. We've had people calling in here. Nathaniel, is it easy to find a place to uh, move to when you have thirty or sixty days to get out of your place? No, that's what I thought. <laughs> so I, I I just now all she would need to do is probably rent a room within her district, right? As long as she's living there, mm. you know, I, I don't think you can just rent a room and continue to live so outside probably, the district. Probably have to get mail there, too. And live there. <laughs> Wake up in the morning there. Yes, go uh, to sleep night. there. Eat your food there. I don't, I don't know how much money uh, city council members make, but I'm guessing it'd be kind of difficult and expensive to rent an apartment in one place and then rent a room from somebody else someplace else just so you can have that room there anyway. yeah that uh, seems like an unnecessary expense yeah your thoughts 208-336-3700 pound 670 on your verizon wireless if you want to weigh in uh you can do that coming up here in just about 45 minutes governor brad little will be with us if you have questions for the governor we usually have a chance to get a few of those in email them, mike at kboi.com or chris at kboi.com can be talking about state of the states up coming um, legislative session, goals and plans. Uh, How does the economic outlook for Idaho look? I know one of the things he didn't mention was that we were all going to get another rebate check. I was really hoping for that. Um, We'll find out. Is there enough money going to be left over in the $1.5 billion surplus that uh, all of us listening this morning might be getting another rebate check find out those are some of the questions we'll ask governor brad little on the way coming up in about 45 minutes
Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Sources tell ABC News Biden's lawyers discovered roughly 10 classified documents, some marked top secret, all dated between 2013 and 2016. The New York Times reports the papers include briefing materials on foreign countries from when Biden was vice president. They've turned over the boxes to the archives and we're cooperating fully. Trump appointed U.S. Attorney John Lausch now investigating. According to uh, CNN, some of the classified documents were marked top secret and included uh, intelligent memos and briefing materials related to Ukraine, Iran, and the United Kingdom, according to CNN. Wouldn't anything classified also be top secret, or are those completely different? I don't don't know if uh, classified, you have different levels of classified. My guess would be you'd have different levels of classified. Okay. I would think, because you'd have to have a higher level to see top secret if you're in the Pentagon or if you're in the White House. You're going to have classified documents, and then you're going to have top secret documents that even people that are allowed to see classified documents aren't allowed to see the top secret documents. Vice President's not the top level, but it is second. Once again, not allowed to have any classified or top secret documents outside the White House, unless they've been declassified by the President. Vice President cannot declassify those particular items. It is interesting to hear, um, for lack of a better term, the spin coming from both sides. You have the spin coming from Republicans and the spin coming from Democrats. Of Biden's classified documents, in the case of Mar-a-Lago, they were intentionally withheld, the classified documents, for more than a year, whereas with Biden's classified documents, those were voluntarily turned over. Does that make a difference in your opinion? Well, first of all, do we really know that for years, when Vice President Biden left office, it looks like he took classified documents with him, and he was very critical of President Trump. By the way, the only person that has the constitutional ability to declassify any documents is the President of the United States, not the Vice President. So if then Vice President Biden took classified documents with him and held them for years and criticized President, former President Trump during that same time that he had those classified documents and only after it was uncovered did he turn them back. I wonder why the press isn't asking the same questions of him as Vice President taking classified documents that they were asking President Trump. You saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago. What did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. Chairman Aguilar, Adrian Aviat with CBS News. Should the discovery of President Biden's classified documents been disclosed before the midterms? Well, let's let's step back and talk about this for a minute because, and I appreciate the question. This is Republican hypocrisy in its finest. When the former president had 320 documents found at his personal residence, they said that, quote, that will not be a priority. What President Biden did was disclose this to the archives, let law enforcement know. That is exactly the way that you should handle this. 
So we're going to support the fact that the president is following this established protocol, that he did the right thing, um, and uh, see what other um, uh, and see where we go from here. But we're not interested. Republicans aren't interested in having meaningful oversight. They're just interested in opposing this president. What do you uh, say to? Sorry. Go ahead. What do you say to critics who argue these documents were discovered November second, midterms were November eighth, and they could have been withheld to avoid potential damage against Democrats before the midterms? This this was done in consultation. You saw Merrick Garland have a U.S. attorney uh, weigh in at this point. Uh, this is being done the exact way, getting the archives involved. Uh, someone who was on the January 6th com committee, uh, there is a process to handling documents. The president is handling it the way he should. That's what's important. To follow up on that, though, I mean, in April we knew about the, the well, in August we knew about the, the search warrant executed at Mar-a-Lago. Isn't that sort of a time when everybody goes, let's just make sure we don't have any of our own? Isn't this a little bit sloppy to not have this go through things on the Democrat side to make sure that when they're saying this is terrible, he has documents, let's also make sure that we don't have any documents. I don't think that's a question for me. That might be a question directed down the, down the street. But <coughs> what, I, what I'll tell you is this is being done, this is being handled the way he should. Be, but, uh, this, is not, this is not about August. This is about you know, today, you know, where we are at. Uh, the president is handling this the way, the, way that he, uh, the way that he should. He's disclosing it. He's uh, letting the archives know. Uh, law enforcement is aware. We're handling this with the seriousness which it deserves. Uh, but we're not downplaying this, uh, which is exactly what House Republicans have done. Um, protocol was not followed. Yeah, a really, a really good idea would be <laughs> if you are uh, privileged enough to be able to read classified documents, keep track of them. Now, I realize there are probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of these things, but keep track of them anyway. Protocol, proper protocol, and he, he's claiming there that was a Democrat speaking there. You know, protocol was followed correctly. No, it wasn't. Protocol would be that those documents never left the White House and were immediately turned over to the National Archives. That's the complaint that Democrats had with President Trump. Well, I, don't, I don't think these necessarily uh, were supposed to stay at the White House. They were... They were in an office that he was using uh, while he wasn't vice president. So right. uh, ap apparently they just took some boxes and, and stored them in there. In, in an unsecured and, location, yeah. which so, is against the, against the law. And they've been there apparently since at least 2016. Yeah. So you're, you're talking, you know, six years here. Here's the other question. You know, and Biden claims, oh, I didn't even know they were there. They were accidentally taken out and putting it, putting it in my office. Shouldn't we be searching all his other places that he's storing documents? Because if he didn't know these yeah. documents were taking out, would, how do we know he did, didn't that, know other documents that, are being that does seem fair at this point stored in an unsecured area? I mean, that was that was the claim against you know Trump for searching Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, we think you have more. Uh, Lizzie writes in a text message at 208-336-3700. I can't stand the stupid spin on things like this. Most important information is Biden was vice president. He should never had the documents and been storing them. And that was six years ago. This cannot even be treated the same uh, as Trump. Good grief. And there's a lot of questions that we still have about Trump. And we're, we're going to find out because Trump still claims that, hey, as president, I can declassify information. I have the final say. We'll find out in court whether or not he de declassified them, I guess, if this ever does make it to court, and if he does have the power to declassify. I mean, there's there's still a lot of questions on both sides of this. The spin that you have here from saying, well, Trump had 300 classified items and Biden only had a few dozen, it doesn't make a difference. 
one, ten, a hundred, three hundred. All illegal. I'd like to disclose that I don't have any. That you know. <laughs> Stick around. We got a fifty dollar gift certificate to R and R Barbecue coming up here next. Also, Governor Brad Little on the way in about twenty five minutes. Right now, Bronco Sports today. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question. $50 gift certificate to R&R Barbecue. Tom is going to, I'm sorry, Linda is going to get first crack at it this morning. Uh, Linda, only four states still allow prisoners to have conjugal visits. There are even two states that allow same-sex conjugal visits. Our question today, what are those two states? We don't need all four states, just the two states that have same-sex conjugal visits. California and New York. Pretty easy guess, huh? (laughs) (laughs) California and New York, yes. Uh, The other states to allow conjugal visits, Washington and Connecticut. All four of those states are the only four states in the United States that allow conjugal visits. However, uh, Connecticut is kind of a weird one. Yeah, in Connecticut, they have what they call family visits, and I guess you can use them as conjugal visits if you want to. However, to qualify for them, you have to be a parent, and one of the people visiting you has to be one of your children. So my guess is not a lot of conjugal, you know, Oh, no, not necessarily. Here, here's your here's your uh, PlayStation. Go ahead and yeah, play. Exactly. And don't, I need to talk to mommy alone here, here's over the, here. Here's the Game Boy. Sit in the corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hang on the line. Congratulations, uh, Linda. You've got that $50 gift certificate uh, once again to R&R Barbecue. Stay right where you're at. Coming up tomorrow morning, have another chance for you to get another $50 gift certificate. Uh, we've got news coming up next at the bottom of the hour. And then after news, Governor Brad Little will be with us live here on News Talk KBOI. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 8.38, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper, and in the studio uh, with us, once again, big thank you to Governor Brad Little. I know it's a busy week for you, first week of the legislature at the State of the uh, States, your inaugural ball this last weekend, which, by the way, I just want to say, appreciate you getting your speech done in under five minutes. That was, you know, surprising and, and welcome. Matter of fact, you, Rish, also uh, Congressman Russ Fulcher, all had speeches that lasted about three or four minutes, and it was uh, very welcome, um, you know, not to have to sit through yeah, a bunch makes, of long speeches. That makes me want to vote for you guys. <laughs> Blessed are the brief, for they will get invited back. Perfect. The State of the State on Monday, for those of uh, you who uh, might not have listened to it uh, or watched it, we uh, had it here live on News Talk KBOI. You laid out you know, some of your proposals and priorities, property tax relief, education funding, and uh, fighting an influx of illegal uh, fentanyl. Out of all those three, what is, what is your number one? If you could wave, wave a magic wand... Number one priority, and how would you go about that? I know you're not in the legislature. They're going to be taking care of it. But what is your number one, if you could wave a, a wand and say, this is what I want done, this is how I want to go first, about first it? First of all, you don't have one of those, right? Uh, okay. Well, I, I love all my children. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, but education is obviously, you know, my overarching goal is I want, you know, our kids to stay here, and given the way the world continues get more complicated having better skills and and 
being able to figure things out, and that's why education is so important because it's a great equalizer. It uh, gives everybody a chance. How do you rate our school system in Idaho compared to other Western states? Well, in, uh, you, you didn't memorize my state of the state. I, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed about that. But uh, on a value basis, uh, we're number one because we don't spend, uh, actually, we, we spend one of the, the least of all the states. Uh, and, of course, everything got slowed down by COVID, but that was every single state. Uh, but the advance we're making, particularly in literacy, I'm very pleased with. We got a long ways to go, uh, but well, there's there's uh, I'm lucky that our uh, two of my grandkids are going to school that has uh, uh, 87% of the kids in that school are reading proficiently by the age. Wow! So third grade, we're getting the most bang for the buck then. Compared yes, to absolutely. Students. You had mentioned uh, in your speech that you would like to see Idaho teachers. Uh, reach the point where they are the top paid teachers in the nation. Is that a realistic possibility? Uh, in the top 10. Top 10, okay. But, of course, that's that's the number we're shooting at. But by the time we get there, the other states will go up. But, I mean, that's the, uh, you know, starting teacher pay, I remember, I think it was 31000 and and this year we want to move it to forty seven. Uh, and it, and part of it is I want I want the – our best and brightest kids to sign up to be teachers. And what I see, the State Board of Education does a good analysis. Our education colleges are having declining enrollment. You can't have teachers if you don't uh, have good bait, which is good compensation. Uh, Last year, the legislature was very helpful. Uh, We're providing better insurance, not only for teachers, but all the other people that work in the school. And that's, that's going to be a big help. But we so not to, not just teachers, but custodians, right, and all the right. way down, right? And and even if we do get to that top ten, we'll still be less than Oregon, Washington, Nevada, maybe Utah for sure, Wyoming, and maybe Montana. So you got to be competitive in your area, and that's part of the reason that we're proposing a a healthy uh, boost in compensation. What what are the indications that uh, property tax relief uh, is going to be more likely to be achieved this year than it has been in other years? <laughs> well, property taxes always depends upon who you are and where you live. Whether you live in a district here in the Treasure Valley that's all residential, maybe kind of the same kind of residential, whether you live in a community where there's industrial and agriculture, where you live, whether you live in a resort community. Because in a resort community, nobody gets a homeowner's exemption. Uh, so therefore, they pay more ta- taxes. So the solution in one taxing district is not the solution in another. I put aside $120 million and, you know, and ask my legislative partners, let's try and do something that it, that helps everybody's property tax. Last year, or in the last two years, we picked up public uh, defense. And every county, all 44 counties are having to pay for public defense. The state's not going to pay for that. That is going to be property tax relief everywhere. Are there things legally that the state cannot do right now to help out with property taxes? Or well, is everything on, on on board? Of course, the state doesn't get any property tax money. Right. It all it all goes to your city, county, school district, whatever taxing district you're in. Uh, but uh, the legislature does set the rules. But the local school board, city council, county commissioners, they set the level of spending. 
I guess uh, maybe question I would ask is because we get a lot of people here call in and they they say why can't the state of Idaho do similar to what California did was with prop 13 is that something that has been looked at and what are what I guess you've probably looked into or your staff what what are the advantages and disadvantages of something like that here in the state of Idaho I have looked at it a lot uh, for 20 years and it <laughs> So, and exactly why is everybody moving out of California? Uh, Because their kids can't afford a house. Because when when the parents' property taxes are frozen, they're still spending the same amount of money. They lay it on the kids' house and and housing affordability and new jobs. uh, That was not a spending. That was an assessment on on people that already had their houses. And they've even got... uh, house cops go around and make sure uh, that you and your wife don't move out of your house and have your kids move into it with a, a property tax is frozen because the minute it changed hands, then the property tax goes way up mm-hmm. and, and it, it on paper, it looks good, but the practical application of it. Uh, and that's why, you know, I, there are developments here in Idaho and I've been to them. This is back when I was, uh, running for the legislature, going door to door, and they were all young families from California because they couldn't afford to buy a house, and property taxes was a huge part of that. We asked listeners to send in a few questions for you, and they have. Uh, one listener, Neil, wrote in, and he wants to know why you have not banned critical race theory and or gender identification curricula in the state. I was the first, we were the first state uh, to ban crt and i signed that bill mm-hmm. so that's apparently he doesn't know that. that's past history uh we'll take a break here gotta get uh, caught up one more time on uh traffic governor brad little with us we have one more segment on the way uh once again it is 846 get 670 kboi on alexa first say alexa enable the 670 kboi skill then when you want to listen say alexa open 670 kboi now back to mike casper and chris walton this is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Governor Brad Little uh, with us once again this morning, first week of the legislature. Pretty boring as, as far as the average person because they're just uh, talking over rules and adopting before they actually get into lawmaking, which will probably happen either late this week or next week. Uh, question for you, on a scale of 1 to 10, as you laid out your priorities in your state of the state, um, 1 to 10, how positive are you that 10 being good, one being not good, uh, are you that the legislature will get your priorities, get at your priorities this year and, and get them the way that you would like to see them passed? Well, an example, last year it was, we were probably over 90% of what we proposed uh, got implemented. Uh, yesterday, our, our budget director presented in front of the Appropriations and the Finance Committee and of course, that's where a lot of the details are in or are built into the budget. So, uh, I, but that means that, uh, it all depends all I I've been meeting with all the new legislators and there's 47% of them, uh, that are brand new. So it's a little bit more of a wild card, uh, than it. And, and that happens every 10 years in Idaho, the way we do reapportionment. Uh, but, uh, if, if past is prologue, uh, we had great success last year, uh, but there's a lot of unknowns because you got all these so new you, members. You put it at eight or nine again for this uh, year, hopefully. I'd hope so. That's. I mean, we're going to strive for hundred. Yeah. 
uh, $1.5 billion uh, surplus. Uh, I was really, you know, disappointed to hear that, you know, not mentioned that I might be getting another rebate check this year. But you did have a warning saying that looking ahead, uh, our economy might not be as in good shape as it has in the past couple of years. Well, every state, uh, you know, when the federal government puts $6 trillion, $7 trillion into the economy, people are going to be paying more taxes. People are going to be spending more. Retail sales are going to be up. And now, uh, I wouldn't call it a hangover from the stimulus, uh, but things have got to slow, will just naturally slow down. But they're going to slow down less in Idaho than any other state. Uh, my budget director yesterday, at the at, when he was making his presentation, uh, he had uh, Governor Newsom in, I, I don't think I got the numbers right, but I'll just wing it, uh, that in in like June he was saying, I got a, Sixty billion dollar surplus, and and then in in September his budget director came up and said, "Well, maybe we've got a twenty three billion dollar deficit." <laughs> deficit, yeah, I saw and, that. And so that's, uh, uh, but I I just tell everybody, I am there's uncertainty because of of spending, because of the global economy, because of interest rates. Uh, I'm really worried about the slowdown in housing because of of interest rates. Uh, but all I know is what we've done. Uh, and that when I say we, I mean businesses, families, everybody. Uh, we're going to be better off in Idaho than any other state. Our listener named Carol wrote in, and she says, I believe you allocated a million dollars to assist the city of Moscow in its investigation of the University of Idaho murders. Is this something that's been done before in any other communities in the state? No, and but nobody's – this has never happened in Idaho before. And it was – and. And we were already up there with the state police. The state police were going to, uh, <clears throat> they were going to be there anyway. And so in essence, uh, but it also, it took a lot of the uh, pressure off of, uh, even though there was an enormous amount of pressure on the Moscow City Police. Uh, but, you know, as history is written of this, and believe me, there's going to be plenty written on it, uh, they did the right thing. They called in our experts our investigators, they called in the FBI. Uh, this was a incredibly, this monster, it was a heinous crime. And making sure we got the evidence right uh, it, it was the right thing to do. But it's a great example, if heaven forbid this happens again, uh, that we want local law enforcement to rely on the expertise that I've got uh, at Idaho State Police got about a minute left here one final question i'm going to ask um as you enter your your second term going back you had you know really difficult having to deal with COVID and everything if you could go back in time and i know 2020 hindsight is always really easy but if you could go back in time over the last three years knowing then what you know now is there anything that you would change in in the way that you dealt with COVID? oh yeah i mean if i know what i know now a lot uh but the one thing that we tried to do was say, with what we know today, here's what we ought to do. And and so many people said, well, that's absolutely what you have to do. You know, I remember we first started, uh, every time I'd have a meeting, somebody would come in and slather disinfectant down on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out that it didn't, that was not the problem. And, uh, but to 
confidence in government is incredibly important for the people, and you gotta let them know that uh, that just emphasize over and over with what we know. Uh, this is uh, what we ought to do, and you know the federal government put in a bunch of new programs. We were a little slow to get them uh, implemented, but it was because they were brand new. Governor Brad Little, our time is up today. I uh, would like to thank you once again, taking a few minutes here first of the year as you get underway with your second term. Good luck on your next four years, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. Very good. Thanks, both of you. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. News coming up next at the top of the hour, then we'll get you... Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. At the very beginning, before they allowed patron input, they spoke very longly about how they allow public... Many were there to make public comment on the proposed policy 3281 in regards to gender identity and sexual orientation. Adopting that policy would allow children to use the bathroom and locker room of the gender they identify as. After about 40 minutes of public comment, Senator Chris Trakel took to the podium and then raised his voice at one of the board members. Ms. Pacino, will you please listen to me? Sir. Yeah, you claim you want people to follow the rules, but you break the rules left and right. Last month, you allowed two people All to right, speak we will without being this meeting right now. The chair moved to recess for broken protocol. That turned into a vote to adjourn, and then there was much more yelling. Rick Worthington, KBOI News. That's a little soundbite from the uh, Caldwell meeting on Monday night. We talked a little so, bit about uh, this yesterday. Apparently, <laughs> if, if uh, you're not uh, practicing protocol or you're not, I guess you, if, if you're impolite in some way, they may curtail, curtail the rest of the meeting. Is that the way it works? Um, I, I think that's part of it. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I don't want to put words into Senator Chris Trakel. In his mouth, um, and that, by the way, the person you heard yelling there and overmodulating on the microphone was Senator Chris Trakel, who apparently has kids in the Caldwell School District and uh, definitely does not want to well, see 3281 implemented. Apparently felt he wasn't re- really being heard. It'll be interesting to see how many people show up to their next meeting. I think uh, next meeting is going to be coming up next week. This meeting, by the way, was absolutely packed. There were a lot of people that went to this meeting, and most of the reason that people were there, the majority of people were there because of the one specific policy being discussed at this month's meeting, proposed policy 3281, about gender identity and sexual orientation and how the district could make those children feel more comfortable in school by adopting policies that would allow them to use the bathrooms and locker rooms of their choice and be addressed by their preferred pronouns. A lot of Parents in the school district don't want their kids sharing bathrooms with the opposite people, sex. Yeah, people who technically are the opposite sex, exactly. Senator Chris Drakel was on uh, the Nate Shelman Show yesterday afternoon, had a couple of interesting items to talk about. And you get a little bit of uh, input as, as to what was being said, because you really couldn't understand because of the uh, microphone being overmodulated, because it was being loud and being talked over, you know, by the city council members there also. Talks about the new proposal 
on use of the bathrooms and uh, locker for locker locker rooms preferred pronouns talks about uh what he was trying to say in the part where it was really hard and why Caldwell is basically bringing this up now at the very beginning before they allowed patron input they spoke very longly about how they allow public testimony, how they allow to release uh, materials that the school is considering, or how they allow uh, policies to be discussed in front of the public and stuff like every, everything they said. And then at the end, they go, why do we do this? And I'm paraphrasing here, uh, because it's your government. Um, but then I find it quite ironic that they, they stand there and they will say these things and yet shut people down. Uh, if they refuse, they, they put rules that are unconstitutional for the individuals to speak. And they basically make it seem like they're in charge. And what I was trying to quote was Idaho Code 74-201. And the beginning is about ethics and government, and the beginning of it is the people of the state of Idaho in creating the instruments of government that serve them do not yield their sovereignty to the agencies so created. Uh, and, and I'm afraid that that's what a lot of government agencies have gotten today is they've forgotten that, that they are created by the people, they serve the people, they're at the will of the people, they're not the ones in charge. Um, Senator Chris so. Drakel joining us here, and again, you're. Uh, I'm going to assume you're downtown because uh, you have a day job for the next three, uh, hopefully only three months. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and you're you're doing the work of a state senator. Uh, why is Caldwell bringing this up? Is is there is, is are, are there so many kids that are identifying as different genders to the point where the school district says, you know, we we need to deal with this, or are they trying to are they trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist? Yeah, so I can't speak to too much. I don't I don't know exactly how many children there are. I can't find numbers. I'm trying to find out if there are actual children going through this right now, but it's kind of a uh, sensitive topic. You know, people don't want to talk about it too much, uh, and I don't expect anybody to come forward and initialize their name. It sounded like a whole bunch of people wanted to talk about it last night. Well, I mean, like, those are parents that uh, transgender kids, you know, to find out the numbers of how many people, how many transgender kids there. Nobody has numbers. The school board hasn't asked when I, or answered when I asked last month. Um, So I've been told that this is coming from school administration. So uh, basically school staff, you know, they're the, they're the ones on the front dealing with this, and uh, they're looking for guidance and policy on how to conduct mm. uh, the situation is what I've been told. Once again, that is Senator uh, Chris Trakel, who was on with Nate Shellman yesterday. And I, and I keep saying senator because he is a parent, and also a senator, and he said that he was acting as a parent and also in his official capacity as a state senator at being at that meeting on Monday night. Once again, he was on with Nate Chelman yesterday uh, on his show, and these are just a couple of uh, outtakes from that interview. If you want to hear the whole interview, um, you can go to the podcast, Nate Chelman Show podcast, and uh, get it there. Uh, one more thing I wanted to hear you to hear is, uh, what is the issue for him specifically as a parent for me as a parent what, what it deals with is it's a safety issue um there was a, a young woman or little child young girl who spoke last night i believe she was in middle school and, and she put it exactly she, she was a girl and she said i do not want to be using the restroom with a boy um so 
while we're overlooking, not overlooking, what we're doing is, is we're looking at a very small minority of people uh, and, and, and forcing everybody else to conform to what a couple individuals want to make them feel comfortable, but we make everybody else feel uncomfortable and put their safety at risk because if this policy is enacted, is the student going to know if that child is, a, is, is transgender and allowed to use that bathroom, or is it just somebody going in to use the girl's bathroom because they want to see a girl? Um, it brings a myriad of safety issues. You know, there could be sexual assault. There could be pictures taken, things said. Uh, it, it just it opens it up to too much. The school's responsible for the safety of the children, and to put the majority of children at risk when there's other solutions that can be taken is just ridiculous. 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You may not have to deal yeah. with this in your school as of yet, but it could be coming well, to a school near you soon. Well, and, and more than likely will. The U.S. Department of Education policy is what people were speaking out against in Caldwell. The, uh, the policy letter that the Department of Education has come up with in the past several months explains how schools are required to treat transgender students under Title IX the federal law that prohibits sex discrimination in education. It lays out the principles that the uh, DOV will follow when it enforces Title IX, uh, which they say should be given great weight by courts in interpreting the law. So they do acknowledge that the law still can be interpreted. Anyway, under this policy, schools uh, are required to treat transgender students according to their gender identity. That includes uh, making sure that transgender students have access to restrooms and locker rooms that match their gender identity, using the right names and pronouns for transgender students, and letting them dress in accordance with their gender. So the the U.S. Department of Education says this is uh, what is going to happen, and it would uh, it's a guidance that applies to all K through 12 schools, preschools, colleges, and universities that get federal funding. Now. Your average private school doesn't get federal funding, so they can do whatever they choose to do. But the, the public schools, uh, I think, eventually will have to adhere to this in some way. School boards are going to be put into a really hard situation here. Because as you just mentioned, by law, they have to do this, whether or not the large majority of parents want to see it happen. And and in some of the questions that we've had from listeners go into that it's like you're trying to make sure that children who identify as the opposite sex feel comfortable in using the bathrooms or locker rooms okay so you just you just made a very small minority feel comfortable what about the huge majority who now feel uncomfortable when you have somebody identified in uh, using your bathroom or locker room as far as the students themselves go there were kids there were school kids that were there at the meeting, and essentially they're all for this. It doesn't matter to them. They don't feel uncomfortable if uh, a transgender person is in the bathroom with them. And, see, they don't have an assumption that, uh, you know, everybody's perverted or anything like that. They just assume that somebody's just in there to go to the bathroom. And for the most part, that's true. However, it's not always true. And I'll give you an example of a story that happened last month in Oklahoma when we come back. Need to take a break. Your thoughts, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. You can also email chris at kboi.com and mike at kboi.com. 
Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Many of the people were there to make public comment on proposed policy 3281 about gender identity and sexual orientation. Adopting that policy would allow children to use the bathroom and locker room of the gender they identify as. After about 40 minutes of public comment, Senator Chris Trakel took to the podium and then raised his voice at one of the board members. You're not following protocol yourself. I'll ask somebody to Section 4201. The people of the state of Idaho and creating the instruments of their do not yield the sovereignty Sir? to the agency's so-called vote. Well, the chair did move to recess for broken protocol, which turned into a vote to adjourn, and then there was a lot more yelling. Rick Worthington, News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. If you want to get through, you can also email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Steve in Boise, uh, thanks for being patient. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning to you. Good morning. You know, there's a couple of solutions here. One is to make all the bathrooms in schools a uh, single stall and then uh, put a lock on the door. Uh, another one is to... Uh, now wait, wait. There, there's a good idea for stalls. What do you do with the locker rooms? Well, the same thing. You build another locker room for them. You, uh, you single one off. They make their own shower if they want to be different. Uh, you know, we've always had two sexes, two genders, and now they're confusing everybody with this trans stuff. And you know what? They should be the one that suffer the, the consequences of their confusion, not the rest of us. You know, I think that senator is correct. You know, you don't you don't make laws for the minority other than things like murder and stuff like that. As opposed, I no, mean, they, apart the from laws like, are meant to protect us. Yeah, but you make laws for the rights of minorities. Right. And, you know, if they want separate, uh, they want to be different and be separate, then give them separate bathrooms. You know, well, you, can, let me, you, can wall, you can wall off those big bathrooms and give them all a, a, their own stall. Uh, locker rooms, you know, if they want to be different, they can have their I own was, little uh, locker room. I was reading a little bit ago from the guidance from the department the u.s department of education and it uh, says uh, it, it actually makes clear that students have a right to use the restrooms and locker rooms that match their gender identity schools can't force well, well hang on schools can't okay. force a transgender student to use facilities that don't match their gender identity or segregate them into separate facilities like a single user restroom or an isolated area of a locker room Transgender and non-transgender students who want additional privacy in a restroom or locker room for any reason can request that their school provide an alternative. For example, a school can let a student who requests it use a single-user restroom or add curtains or stalls in locker rooms to give everyone more private options, but apparently they're not supposed to force them to do that. Well, I see. If 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 there's no if there's no compliance to the law for them, why should there be a compliance for the law for us? You know, what, what they, do you mean? They have the option. Not, they have the option. They have the option for that complete privacy for them, but they're not giving that complete op- option to those of us uh, of normal sexual orientation. Isn't that what you just read? 
not really. It, it says transgender and non-transgender students who want additional privacy in a restroom or locker room for any reason can ask their school for an alternative. Okay, well, you know, they can ask for the alternative. But, you know, to, to, to confuse the issue by bringing up uh, minorities' rights, and, I, and it is confusing the issue. Don't get me wrong. It is confusing the issue. And that's why we had this problem at the uh, school board meeting the other night. They're trying to push their agenda as a minority to make, to, to write the laws. Uh, you know, and they had, an, they had a big to-do with the Republican thing when Gats and some of the very minority in the uh, conservative side changed the rules by holding out. And and yet they're doing that, and they think it's okay for them, but not okay for us. If you get my point, your your view would then be that uh, if someone has an alternative sexuality, that they shouldn't be treated as if they're just like everybody else. Well, they shouldn't have the option. They're either a boy or a girl. You can look at their body parts, and you can determine that. And I I, I understand the trans thing and and the gay and the lesbians and all that but you know what you're either one or the other you're not something in between they can call themselves non-binary if they want but they were born one way or the other and that's where they need to draw the line and say you can't have the option of being what you weren't until you change your body parts all right steve thank you for the call we only need two we only need two bathrooms well, but apparently not according to law. But post op, you'd be okay. Post operation, if they're in the locker rooms with everybody else. Two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pounds six seventy on your Verizon wireless. Need to take a break. If you're on the phone right now, stay right where you're at. I promise we're going to get to you coming up here after news, the bottom of the hour. So, uh, Sabrina, Jerry, Paul, I'll stay right where you're at. I promise we're going to get to you coming up. You can also email us, Chris at KBOI dot com or Mike at KBOI dot com. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Phone lines are open last uh, couple of the calls. Still have uh, taken your phone calls and emails uh, here this morning if you want to get through right now. promise I was going to get to this story. This is out of Oklahoma. High school in Oklahoma revealed that a trans-identified student charged with assaulting two female classmates in a woman's bathroom, was enrolled in the school as a girl, and administrators were unaware of the student's male biological sex. Susan Park Slepp, a spokesperson for Edmond Public Schools, said administrators from the school investigated an injury involving three students in the women's restroom during the course of the investigation. It was discovered that one of the students involved in the fight is a transgender and was using the women's restroom in violation of Oklahoma state law and the district's policy, which requires students to use restrooms according to the sex on their birth certificate. Spokesperson noted that the student had only begun attending the school days before the incident and administrators were not aware of the student's birth gender. She also shared that the student had been enrolled as a female and that the family did not provide a birth certificate at the time of enrollment, but promised that documentation would be forthcoming. The uh, student allegedly hit the female, a female student, in the face, and the girl said in a statement to police that she was not strong enough to fight back due to the force of the blow. The girl said that the uh, student, who identified as a female, Pulled her hair, forcing her to the ground, and began repeatedly kicking and punching her in the face. Another female student was reportedly punched twice in the face 
by the student after she tried to stop the assault. The report described the female who tried to intervene as having injuries to her eye, face, and head with a possible concussions or possible concussion. Two other witnesses corroborated the victim's story, stating that the uh, A struck the first girl who was not able to fight back. It's a little different case because in Oklahoma, state laws are a little bit different. And, and they're more strict. More, sure. more strict. And here was somebody who identified a male who identified as a female and was going to school as a female. And the school, to be doing that, you have to identify or you have to let the school know yeah, that you are identifying. You have to register as such. As, yes, as such. Uh, Paul and Nampa, good morning. You're on Newstalk KBY. Good morning. Yeah, I agree with the previous caller um, to, to the uh, extent that I, I think there could be a way kind of out of this, maybe a possible way, and that would be most do most schools still have nurses there on site at the schools? I would assume they still do, yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, um, that, that leads me to believe that if a nurse is a nurse is a nurse, that she should be able to walk these children if they're identifying other than what the other students really are in that classroom, there should be no problem with her escorting those kids into the restroom and into the showers after PE or whatever. You, I, I, will, I will say one thing, Paul. You do realize nurses can be males also, right? Yeah, but if they're a nurse, they're a nurse, they're a nurse. But then they'd have to get permission by their parents because I'm sure their parents would be a, they would object to that. Now the reason why I brought that up is because, you know, to me, I'm I'm sorry, but to me, this is just something that needs to be adjudicated, not in court, but in the court of public opinion and with some some heads that are level, level-headed people. And you know, I I I think that I would. If I was a parent and I had a kid in school and there was another kid in school that was along with my, my child, I wouldn't want my child in there to be ogled, quite possibly ogled, or taken a picture of. Now, you know, every kid that's two years old or older has got a cell phone now with a camera on it. So that, that doesn't lead you to believe that it's not a stretch of your imagination that pictures can be taken inside that, that shower room. And, you know, it's just... It's kind of one thing or another after with with the LGBTQ. It's it's like we're being held hostage because we live a quote unquote normal life because we're heterosexuals. Now we're under assault by that community, and now we're the minority, even though we're still the majority. Thank you for the call. Yep, I get it. Thank you for the call, Paul. Appreciate your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. Dallas writes in, uh, text message says, a simple but expensive solution to the mental problem that will never be addressed or remedied but coddled is to make a new restroom and locker room so that there will be he, she, and it. And a placard above them that reads, life is full of choices, make one. Again, again, the policy, though, of the U.S. Department of Education is not to do that, not to treat a student as if they are the freak of the week, but treat them if they choose to be female, Treat them as they're female. If they choose to be male, treat them as they're male. Now, 
this whole sort of thing, transgenderism and homosexuality years ago used to be considered a mental disorder by the American Psychiatric Association. Do you know, here's a little trivia for you, do you know what year they removed that and decided that it wasn't a mental disorder? 2012. 1973. Really? 50 years ago. And the uh, American Psychological Association, that was the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychological Association adopted the same rules two years later. And it says uh, their official policy was homosexuality per se implies no impairment in judgment, stability, reliability, or general social and vocational capabilities. Further, the American Psychological Association urges all mental health professionals to take the lead in removing the stigma of mental illness that has long been associated with homosexual orientations. Now, I understand that there are some people who will never change their mind on that. that They believe that it simply is a mental disorder, and that's all there is to it. I wonder if, if we could get into, you know, looking into the future 50, 75 years. I mean, because it's ridiculous to think that, the billions and billions of dollars it would take to retrofit every high school, grade school, and junior high school in the country. It just is not going to happen. But I wonder if you look um, 50, 75, 100 years into the future, will all schools have male, female, and other bathrooms and locker rooms? Just so that there isn't any problem if you feel comfortable yeah. uh, you know not using a male or female bathroom would like like to have your own choice do, do you think i mean the only thing constant is change again though that's not sanctioned by the US department of right education now. right right now like I'm, like they say treat everyone as if they are normal that's it yeah and and that's why i say the only constant thing is change i mean Quite, quite easily, and I, I think I agree with Dallas, this, the simplest, easiest change that will never happen because of the expense is, is doing something like that. Now, I don't, I'm not a transgender. I don't identify as the opposite sex. I, I don't personally know yeah, I if that. I would feel uncomfortable. I knew that about you. Going into a separate bathroom that is not male or female. I don't know why. I, I, you know, if you feel uncomfortable, if you're, if you're a male who identifies as female and don't feel comfortable going into the male bathroom, why wouldn't you feel more comfortable going into a bathroom, you know, that anybody could go into? Because that's what you want anyway. So I, I don't understand why setting aside a separate bathroom for everybody would make you feel even less comfortable than using a bathroom that doesn't match up with your biological sex. State Senator, new State Senator, Tammy Nichols has been listening uh, to our conversation uh, this morning, and you uh, released a statement on this earlier this week, correct? Yeah, good morning. Um, Yes, uh, you know, with the situation that occurred in Caldwell, and we've actually seen this happening all across the nation, um, I had someone that works within the um, school system in the state contact me, uh, to give me some information on, on what was going on. And I thought it was very, very important to, to put a statement out in regards to that so that parents understand what's transpiring. Um, and so basically I was told that this is something that's being driven by the state Idaho Association of School Boards, that they have an attorney in the state that is helping to drive this. 
proposal of the school board to pass this policy. It has been put out by the U.S. Department of Education, and they want it passed as it is written, so they want no changes made to it. And not only does this affect uh, bathrooms and locker rooms and that sort of thing, but it also has a provision in it which basically states that if a student comes to the school district wanting to use certain pronouns or be identified in certain ways, that the school must do that, and they are not allowed to tell the parents um, that the student is requesting this. So, um, and the school boards, what was interesting to me is that uh, this person told me that many of the school boards have already passed this pretty silently. They were estimating about half to over half of the school boards in Idaho have already done this. Some are waiting on uh, legislation to see what happens in the legislature this session, but they are being threatened with legal action if they do not um, pass this policy. So it's really putting school boards in a, in a really bad position because most of them, uh, I was told, do not want to pass this sort of policy in their school districts. I want to go back to one thing that you said earlier and see if I heard that correctly. Um, you were mm-hmm. told that the Idaho Association of School Boards is uh, pushing a policy where if a student comes in and says that they identify as something opposite of their birth sex, that the school mm-hmm. is not allowed to tell their parents? Correct. That is what I was told, that they are not allowed to tell their parents. And, you know, and that really, you know, In Idaho, we have parental rights. Uh, We actually have a law for parental rights. And uh, that's really creating a a divide between parents and and their children. Uh, Government is creating that division uh, by passing policies such as this. And that's very unfortunate because, you know, I'm a mom and I know that my kids, you know, especially during their teenage years, uh, that's when you really, when, when parents really try to create those uh, those ties with with their kids, especially during that time, because that's usually when when kids are really needing parent guidance. Um, uh, teenage years are very difficult, and so you know it's unfortunate that we would want to create a division between parents and their children, especially when they're going through situations that are confusing. What relationships between parents and teenagers are really difficult? Go figure, right? <laughs> <laughs> Senator Tammy no, and, Nichols, and, uh, go ahead. And I was just going to say, and what's unfortunate, you know, I, I really feel that this is the 21st century emperor's new clothes. If you're familiar with that story, you know, when I've, I've decided that when you say that you identify as something that really, that means that you are making believe that this is what you are. And, uh, you know, I've talked to several therapists now that do do child therapy, and they have told me that about 85% of of kids that are going through these kinds of situations, this gender dysphoria, that even without intervention will eventually outgrow it and and figure things out. But what we're doing right now is is really creating a lot of confusion in our kids by, by going along with that narrative and accepting that narrative. Interesting. Former uh, State Representative Tammy Nichols, new State Senator Tammy Nichols, thanks for taking a few moments of your time this morning. I'm sure you have uh, state work that you uh, probably are going to get back to, but appreciate you listening and appreciate you taking time to uh, give us that thought. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
Call anytime. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. We will take a quick break. If you want to get through and share your thoughts, final chance to do that right now if you would like. You can also email chris at kby.com and mike at kby.com. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Whew, a busy, busy show this morning. We talked about sex, we talked about drugs. We just left out rock and roll, and I don't think we're going to have a chance to get to rock and roll. Well, we talked about Hank Williams Jr., but I guess that's yeah, uh, technically that's like honky-tonk country. Yeah, right? I wouldn't. there'll be a stretch to call that... Uh, Rock and roll. Couple you know, you more. know they, they used to call that wine, women, and song. Came close. Um, Richard writes in uh, Mike at KBOI.com in an email. The U.S. Department of Education is citing Title IX, but the courts have not adjudicated this issue. They're stating their interpretation, not the actual standing, but are not addressing the actual statutes that well, would be violated. Actually, the, the Supreme Court has backed up Title IX. As written, but I'm wondering, and I don't know this. Uh, have they lumped in? Yes, transgender. You know, as far as adjudicating this, t- being tied in to Title IX as of yet, mm. s- specifically, it's mentioned in Title IX. It, it's not just here's how you treat females and here's how you treat right. males. There's more to it. Has has the Supreme Court ever adjudicated? That's what that was my question. They have backed up Title IX. That's right. all I can tell you. Right. I, I don't know that they've gone by line by line and said I agree with this. How long will it be before they uh, end up having this case in front of them? I'm I'm going to say if this continues to grow as it looks like it's going to, I don't think it's going to be very much well, longer. The, current, the Supreme Court is going to have to weigh in on. Yeah, it. and the current makeup of the court will more than likely change the opinion that the previous court had yeah uh roseanne wrote in and just says simply third bathroom labeled unisex i don't i don't have a problem with that other than the fact that once again now, like the massive over, amount of money to retrofit all the schools in the nation would be astronomical over an extra mile arena uh which i still refer to as the pavilion but extra mile arena they have uh male bathrooms they have female bathrooms and then they have what they call family bathrooms Mm -hmm. and the purpose of that is not for people who don't identify as one or the other the purpose for that is you can take your children in there uh regardless of uh, if you're a you know a a father with a daughter if you're a mother with a son whatever you can take your little kids in there and assist them in the family bathroom that's the uh, the reason that they came up with those cj writes uh email the uh doe needs to be sued for child endangerment with his so-called rule, it needs to be ignored. There are a plethora of examples of places that have enacted such things and have had attacks and other issues. By allowing this, the surface area of attack, to pull an infosec term, is increased because what would have been guarded against, no boys in the girls' restroom or locker and vice versa, is being allowed. So the chances of something happening, and they have happened, have now increased. Again, though, and like I said, I, you know, I, I keep citing the Department of Education simply because they have uh, issued their guidance on this, and mm-hmm. their, their guidance is that uh, if you say you're a girl, you're a girl. If you say you're a boy, you're a boy. That, that's the way they look at it. That's all the time we have for today. We're on a 20-hour break. Got another big show coming up tomorrow morning. We're going to be talking about the death threats in CUNA over the CUNA rodeo. Yes, it's true. We'll have uh, one of the people with the uh, CUNA Rodeo last year here with us to talk a little bit about that live coming up here tomorrow morning. Thanks for being a part of the show.